0: We are back and this is hour two of Arriva Martin in real time. And I'm your host, Arriva Martin. And in this hour, we are talking about anti-blackness in the Latino community and the Eric Minas use of the term. Blue Monkey that got her fired from Love and Hip Hop Atlanta and an all-Black series called Hush. Joining me in this hour is Professor Tanya Katari-Hernandez. She's a professor at Fordham University. She's a professor of law there and also the author of a very important book called Racial Innocence, Unmasking Latino Anti-Black Bias and the Struggle for Equality. And also in this hour, Leslie Redman is here. She is the former president of the Minneapolis NAACP and the founder of Don't Complain, Activate. Welcome, Professor Hernandez and Leslie. Leslie, let me start with you. Why do you think this story uh, involving Erica Minas uh, calling Spice, her castmate on Love and Hip Hop, a Blue Monkey, why do you think it got so much attention?
1: Well, the first thing that even stood out to me, it reminded me of Malcolm X's quote when he talked about the most disrespected, unprotected, and neglected person in America is the Black woman. And I think for far too long, we just allowed it to happen, right? Not only about the treatment of Black women, but also how we're being portrayed in media. And what I really want people to understand is that this is not an isolated incident. This is very systemic. And I remember when Bad Girls Club, Loving Hip Hop, Housewives, and the list goes on and on and on, right? These are industries that are Zeus now, that are being built on the backs of Black women in the way that we are portrayed. And I'm just glad people are waking up. I really feel like Very similar to how I felt about Trayvon Martin when he was murdered, and people we were going to the streets and people like, Oh no, get out of the streets. And then when George Floyd was murdered in 2020, you saw a very different response and people understanding the severity. I think now people are understanding the severity, and I think you have more Black women in leadership that can put things into context.
0: Well, Mona Scott, who is the producer and creator of Love and Hip Hop in Atlanta, who happens to be a Black woman, made the ultimate call. Uh, to boot Erica Mina from the show. Uh, let me ask you, Professor Hernandez. So Erica is on a, let's call it an apology tour. And she's uh, was quiet for a while, but now she's been giving interviews and she's issued this apology and said that you know she didn't mean the the comment blue monkey to be a racially demeaning slur. What do you make of that? Now, Erica says she's Dominican and Puerto Rican. What are the chances that someone who is Dominican and Puerto Rican wouldn't understand the the phrase monkey when you're calling a black person monkey wouldn't be considered a racial slur?
2: That's absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) Point blank. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) In Latino culture monkey is like the paramount space in which anti-blackness is articulated. That is to say, we have lots of phrases that equate uh, blackness with animal qualities, all in a derogatory way. And monkey is one of the main examples that we utilize in our uh, pathological anti-blackness. And so that she could even attempt to say that it it was somehow disconnected from blackness is absolutely absurd. You know, that she's apologizing. Well, I'm sure she's sorry. She's sorry for getting caught. She's sorry for being canceled. You know, she's sorry for lots of things. Um, but to, to uh, say that this was not an example of anti-blackness means that she has not even inhabited the Latino space. Uh, that would be ridiculous. I mean, she'd have to be from a foreign planet in order to not to understand the ways in which that is a, the epitome of anti-blackness.
0: Well, thank you for keeping it a hundred <laughs> it's very clear that monkey is derogatory uh, everybody knows this derogatory in latino culture. Uh, what do you make uh Leslie, the fact that Erica says, "Look, I'm the mother of two black children. her black I don't know if it's her husband or you know father of her children has come out in support of her. We often hear that when someone is in this situation. They try to, you know, show their Black bona fides by, you know, proximity either to children or family members or a friend or someone. So what do you make of her, you know, asserting that she's the mother of two Black children?
1: So, I think that it's very problematic, right? When we think about it, to me, it's the equivalent of a white person saying, Oh, I have a black friend, right? Or, Oh, I went and adopted a black child. And so I understand the struggle when actually you don't. But the thing that I do want to add is that not only was I not surprised by Erica's bold statement, I think she is just one of the people that maybe she she didn't think about the consequences of her actions because she saw so many other light-skinned and Latino people disrespect Black women in a derogatory way. And what I want our community to understand, because for me, it was the Black woman defending her that was so heartbreaking. And I recognize that we've all been conditioned to disrespect Black women, even Black women, right? This goes back to chattel slavery. This goes back to the dehumanization and the animalization of Black people. And this is not being taught in the Food, right? Glory be to God, I got a chance to go to college and study African studies and get a law and business degree. However, if it wasn't for me going even beyond and above the curriculum and being taught by a Haitian black woman in Miami, I probably wouldn't understand the context because we're not taught about it. It will actually talk the opposite. And the last point that I just want to make is this is so important. I need our community to recognize just like the Jewish community, the LGBTQIA community, they don't play. Because they understand when you give somebody an inch, it's going to become a mile. And these racial slurs are become detrimental and dangerous and deadly. And they already have. And the last point is that this reminds me a lot of back in 1915. You all probably remember the birth of a nation, which was one of the worst, most racist movies ever. And it actually premiered um, in the White House. And it was very problematic. And this is what really took the NAACP to the national scale and created a lot of NAACPs. And I've been waiting. I've been waiting for Black organizations and Black people to say this is just as damaging and just as dangerous as Birth of a Nation. The way that we are depicting Black women is not okay and it's going to have dangerous and deadly consequences.
0: No, really good points. And thank you, Leslie, for reminding us of this history that, again, these aren't new slurs that are being made against black women they have a history and a deep-rooted history but professor some people may look at erica and say she's puerto rican aren't puerto ricans black too help us understand because i think it gets very confusing right because we're talking about the caribbean somebody that's born uh maybe i don't know if she was born there her parents were born there so some folks think black folks born in the caribbean are just like Black folks born in the U.S., and they don't understand what this, uh, what I'll call infighting is about. So give us a, an explanation, help us understand how there's not one big homogenous group of Black
2: folks. Well, I mean, we do have Black people in Puerto Rico, right? So there are Black Puerto Ricans, Afro-Puerto Ricans, and so on. Um, but just simply because you are Puerto Rican with no racial <laughs> identifier before that, Uh, doesn't mean that you don't inhabit Um, Mm anti-Blackness. You know, this idea about, you know, she's in a family unit uh, that has some Black people. Well, unfortunately for many Latino families, the family is the scene of the crime as far as anti-Blackness is concerned. the family, Mm -hmm. that is the nucleus in which you are taught the rules uh, of engagement with regards to race and racism. Oh, let me Uh, stop you for a second, Professor
0: Hernandez, because you said there are Black folks in Puerto Rico, obviously. So, like, who decides if I am a Black Puerto Rican or, like, what would
2: the opposite of a Black Puerto Rican be? Oh, oh, okay, Cassio. Um, so, two seconds of quick history. <laughs> um, you know, when the um, uh, transatlantic slave trade was in a full blast, uh, uh, the of the ten point seven million slaves who survived the Middle Passage, uh, about ninety percent, historians say, were brought to. Latin America, and the wider Caribbean, right? So that both includes English, French, and Spanish speaking. Uh, but if you compare that to those, those who were brought to the what we now call the United States, which is just 3.5%, 90, versus 3.5%, that means that blackness, right, is a central feature uh, of Latin America, even if the... Uh, <laughs> Advertisements <laughs> don't necessarily reflect that. Right? Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Um, now, who gets to decide who's black and who's not? Well, you know, there's a facetious uh, sort of truism about, well, ask the police. They always know who they're going to harass, right? Meaning within uh, Puerto Rico, there are is what we would say, blackity blacks, right? Meaning people who are unambiguously Afro descended, right? Uh, and who, you know, wherever you are and whatever language you speak, you look at them and you're like, yeah, that's a black person. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, are there also people who don't necessarily look that way, just like there are people who in Appaloosa, Louisiana, who don't necessarily look blackity black, but have a black identity? Yes. Right? you know, Blackness comes in all kinds of shades. Uh, but I like to be clear that, you know, when I talk when I'm talking about black uh, Puerto Ricans, I'm talking about those who, you know, a third party would say, yep, that's a black person, mm-hmm. uh, both as a matter of pride and also those who are uh, t- you know targeting them like you know the police uh, for harassment and racially motivated violence and all, and all of the above.
0: So again, go back to the the, the family structure. So if I am a non-black Puerto Rican, Am I likely to identify? I mean, am I white passing? That's a term we hear a lot today. A lot of folks are white passing and we use that term a lot. But if I'm a non-black Puerto Rican, what do I think of myself as? Do I think of myself if I come to the U.S. as white?
2: Well, we do have the phenomena that um, people in Puerto Rico who identify as white, they check white on the census. They got no problem saying they're white when they're on the island, but then they, whoop, take a quick plane right over here to the United States. And they quickly notice that one, you know, that there is discrimination against them just based on their like Hispanic surname, you know, that's true. But at the same time, they don't want to own up to their own anti-blackness. And so they've got this sort of like a shield of being able to say, well, oh, no, not me, because I'm a person of color. You know, It's unambiguous uh, group that we call a person of color. And for me, you know, you need to earn that. That's not something you just get to claim. You want to be part of the tribe, you need to then be able to uphold racial justice uh, as your true mantra and not, you know, when it's convenient for you.
0: So Leslie, I'm not uh, uh, an avid watcher of Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. I haven't seen an episode, to be honest. (laughs) I don't know if you have. I hope you have, because maybe you can answer this question. To this point of upholding racial justice, uh, do you know what Erica's character was like on the show? Was she someone that held herself out as a black woman or as a woman of color or as a, or as a Latina?
1: As far as I know, Erica has never claimed to be a black woman. And for me, I think this goes into, again, the deeper conversation of colorism, because, again, the anti-Blackness that we're seeing is not exclusive to even Latino women, right? Lighter tone women who have benefited and who can be white passing And and one other point that I really want to make is I'm all about restorative justice, right? I believe that with truth and healing, we can have reconciliation. But the first thing is truth. And Erica has to be truthful in saying that I meant this in a racial derogatory way to be humanized as Black woman, And I apologize. I've been conditioned by society just like everybody else and I want to be do better. But it has to start with the truth so we can have some healing and reconciliation.
0: Okay. Uh, but to your knowledge, she has not presented herself as a Black woman. Uh, Correct. Okay. Now, <laughs> Professor Hernandez, does that surprise you? Like, do we know percentage-wise? Like, what percentage of Puerto Ricans that are in the U.S. think of themselves as Black versus... Latin or this ambiguous
2: category? Well, you know, the the point is, is that oftentimes it depends on how they're asked. You know, for some um, Puerto Ricans or, you know, other people who are are, are the Latino uh, communities, uh, they feel that if they say they are Black, that that means that they're uh, trying to sort of take over the African-American identity. And so they want to respect that. And so they might say instead, I am Black Puerto Rican. I'm I'm Afro Puerto Rican. I'm Afro Latino. Uh, and so, if they're asked, "Are you black?" they might think, "Oh, I don't. I shouldn't take that category because." Hold that thought. That's a really interesting point, because then you have the issue of cultural
0: appropriation, right? And and we know that there are lots of conversations that we have. There are lots of people who fall into that category. So what is the right thing to to say you are to avoid being anti-Black, but also to avoid being in that category of someone who's uh, appropriating the culture of Blackness? Uh, When we come forward, more on the anti-Blackness in the Latino community right here on KBLA Talk 1580.
1: You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580.
0: I'm back, and in this hour of Ariva Martin in real time, I'm joined by Leslie Resman. She's the founder of Don't Complain Activate, and she's a former president of the Minneapolis NAACP. And Professor Tanya Hernandez is here. She is a professor of law at Fordham University and author of Racial Innocence: Unmasking Latino Anti-Black Bias and the Struggle for Equality. And we're talking about. Uh, anti-Blackness in the Latino community and specifically about the Eric Mina, Erica Mina uh, the fight I guess she had with one of her Black castmates on Love and Hip Hop Atlanta where she called Spice a blue monkey. Uh, So Leslie, let me read something to you. Uh, This is from a Refinery29 uh, article about this whole Erica Mina Spice And it says, in many of these public displays of anti-Blackness, the conflict is centered on a Black man picking the unambiguously Black woman over the so-called exotic uh, non-Black woman. And he said, this is tied to the of war phenomenon of Black men who put non-Black women on pedestals, prizing, pursuing, and preferring non-Black Latinas and white women and even defending them when they do dehumanize black women in public media forum. So, oof, now comes the black man and his role in all of this. And this yeah. article goes on to talk about uh these non-black latinas who uh profit on the black you know black culture and then marry black men and then use their black family somehow as a shield against any claims that they are anti-black Oof, so that's a lot that's deep <laughs> it's really deep and there's some examples here of other non-black latinas who've been on these black reality or black focus reality shows making similar anti-black statements and then claiming to have a black boyfriend black husband black kid so what is up with these Black-focused reality shows that these non-Black Latinas Oh,
1: it's huge. And actually, a young lady that used to be associated with Erica Mina, and Erica actually introduced her to Love Hip Hop, Sin Santana, who has a baby with Joe Budden. A couple years ago, she came under fire because she said that Black men prefer Latino women. And they kind of jokingly mocked Black women of like, oh, the Black women are going to get mad at you. And then she backpedaled and said, oh, no, 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 I didn't mean it like that. When they come under fire, and even in this situation with Erica Mina, it was centering a Black man, Safari, who is... Is the ex-husband of Erica Mina, even though him and Spice weren't involved, they were friends, and Spice was bringing up the point of, you know, you feel like you're the only woman who's ever been divorced, and this man is saying, he's showing up, and he's showing me the receipts, and you're upset. I also think it's important to know, because Spice noted this, that multiple Black men have made the exact same comment that Spice made, and there was no retaliation, there was no dehumanization, right? But again, people think that Black women are vulnerable. They think that we're alone and they watch it and they're being conditioned to think that disrespecting Black women is acceptable. And that's why us being portrayed in this light is very dangerous.
0: Yeah, this this article goes on, Professor Hernandez, to say that uh, Mina's social currency rides in her non-Blackness and her proximity to whiteness relative to Black women non-black women like her, meaning Erica, have been promised their whole lives that they deserve love and respect withheld from black women and over black women in favor of women who look like her.
2: Is that accurate? Oh, it's very accurate. It's very accurate. You know, it's no accident that Spanish language television, Telemundo, Univision and the like, all ha- are like a sea of whiteness right um and the and the women who are the beautiful ones and the soap operas and what have you are the ones who look more european descendant huh? um and you might submit you hadn't you didn't asked me this Ava but you know perhaps you might be thinking and you're too polite to ask right but you know why are these women going on black shows why are they inhabiting black spaces if they want to be so sort of uh, wh- I, that they idealize whiteness so much right but here's well, the right we know the answer, but come on, give it to us. <laughs> oh, I was simply gonna say, right? You know, uh, English-speaking Anglo whites, right? You know, the whitey whites. Uh, they don't want them, right? Or at least they don't view them as the same as somebody from France, from England, etc. But these light-skinned Latinas get to feel real white if they're in a black space. Huh? So uh, the issue is,
0: Leslie, why are we as black folks eating up these non-black Latinas? knowing that their preference would be if white folks would let them come on to The Bachelor and you know these white shows that's where they would rather be but they don't have entree to those shows so they come over to the black focus shows harboring their anti-blackness because it's an opportunity to be platformed to make money to become famous to you know the American dream Eologists
1: preaching tonight and the simple answer is self-hate Right. The simple answer is the doctrine of white supremacy has conditioned us to allow whiteness in our spaces. This is why Black women say, "Don't touch my hair." Right, a seat at our own table. It's very important. And again, I think the only reason why we're even really seeing outrage is one because it was very blatant and you know in your face. But in a, again, you know, I got arrested with Yandy Smith Harris for Brianna Taylor, and so you do have some Black women in those spaces that understand like, this is not okay. This is not acceptable. And like you said, Mona Scott Young is really, really important that we drill this, that we understand it. And I would say there's a lack of education. There's a lot of, again, like we have to understand Tupac Shakur. He said it, he said, if we're not careful, we're going to raise a generation of babies that hate the ladies that make the babies. And I feel like we're living in that day and age right now, because again, Even Black women have been conditioned to say, oh, yeah, because, again, this is why they're taking up for them. It's kind of like the overseer or the house slave mentality of I would take all of y'all down before I let you take my master down or my closeness to whiteness down.
0: Yeah, I encourage everyone to find this article. It's called Dear Erica Mina, You Can't Co-op Black Culture and Hate Black Women. It was written by Dash Harris, just written uh, August 31st, 2023. It's on the Refinery29 website. Uh, And I, I guess, Professor, are Black folks duped into believing that these Latina women are in solidarity with us? Is that why we invite them into these Black spaces and have expectations that they respect the Black spaces and the Black women in these spaces? Well, I
2: mean, I think it's actually part of a broader issue here that within our schools and what have you, we don't teach about the African diaspora right? and also the ways in which anti-Blackness is a global phenomena. Right? So that we, we have this exposure to the language of people of color, but then that's sort of like this whole homogeneous grouping. It doesn't look at the ways in which within groups there is anti-Blackness. You know, that, that's why I did that whole research for the book, A Racial Innocence a Mexican-Latino anti-Black bias because it was very disturbing to me to see how often these incidents can occur, right? And actual violence and exclusion of of all sorts. And people can still be surprised by it, that they could be surprised that a Cuban-American, Enrique Tarrio, is the leader of the Proud Boys. Um, You know, that uh, Nick Fuentes is someone who is part of Trump's, you know, white America first. Uh, discourse. Mm -hmm. If we had a better racial literacy about the ways in which, one, that the Black people all over the world, but also that anti-Blackness exists within many cultures, we wouldn't be taken so by surprise. And I think we'd also have many more of us to come together in solidarity. You know, there's like the flip side of it. There's many more, you know, areas for us to address, but there are also many of us that could come together, I think, if we had better racial literacy about these matters.
0: I think you're absolutely right. When we come forward, I want to ask you, Leslie, do you think the message is getting out there? Because this this Refinery29 article by Dash Harris that I cite gives countless examples of non-Black Latinas making racial slurs in these Black spaces and then having to come out and backtrack and apologize. So the question I'm asking is, you know, is the message sinking in that we're not in one big homogeneous pot and that anti-blackness is real in the Latino community, even with those people that seem to take on the characteristics of black folks in these black spaces when we come forward. KBLA Talk 1580. All right, Leslie, we have to talk about the role of Black men in this. We've been talking about Black women. So Dash Harris, we know, is a very you know prominent producer. She wrote this op-ed that I recommend everyone read. I'm reading more from that op-ed. She says that Mina, Erica Mina, clamors for and is enabled by the male gaze and furthermore is emboldened and protected by black men who seek refuge from their own internalized anti-blackness in the arms of women with less baggage and attitude than quote, the black girls quote. So, uh, What's your take on that? Where where are Black men in this whole conversation about these uh, anti-Black, non-Black, Latinas acting bad, acting up in these spaces? 100%. So I
1: think, again, you have to look at it from, on an individual level, there are Black men who are speaking up. From a systemic level, Black men for sure has enabled the conditions that we see right now. And again, it's not limited to love and hip-hop. You think about Kevin Samuels. You think about so many people have, who have literally built their platforms on mm-hmm. the backs of dragging Black women for the world to see, right? These are not private conversations and dialogues have it, being had. These are for the world to see the bashing of Black women. And so for sure, Black men have enabled it. Again, I just have to reiterate that anybody can perpetuate white supremacy, not just white people. And we've been taught to do it the
0: best, yeah. I'm glad you say that because oftentimes people think white supremacist only means white people. We've all been indoctrinated with you know the white supremacist narrative, uh, and oftentimes it shows up, you know, even in our own inner circles and in our families and our communities. Uh, Professor Hernandez, what about Latin men? Where do they fit into this? So we just talked about black men and you know how they've been indoctrinated with this narrative that white is better than black, and which white. Many of them, not all, but many of them choose non-black women. What about Latin men?
2: Latin men are uh, sort of victims to the same kind of mindset and ideology. I mean, you know, there was a real interesting study a couple of years ago that looked at the patterns of internet daters uh, and what they click is their preferences, and they found that, not unsurprisingly, that white people tend to exclude black options right, uh, as far as the potential soulmate. or you know, just hook up whatever. Uh, but that Latino respondents, with Latino men included, were almost the same level of rejection of Blackness uh, as the white men. Now, they've mm-hmm. got a different mindset about the way in which they sexualize the Black woman, for latina women, and all women mm-hmm. of color really, uh, as, you know, inherent sexual objects. But those aren't the women they want to marry, right? The women they want to marry uh, have a particular pecking order as far as color is concerned. Right? So the colorism Plays itself out within the Latino community in the ways in which men uh, rank order, uh, what their preferences are for the sanctity of marriage. Uh, so, you know, th- they are not innocents in this uh, either. And what do you make of the family
0: issue? Because in a lot of these articles about this story, they are talking about the fact that Erica does have, she's the mother of two Black children, the father who is Black, uh, Safari Samuels. And people are questioning okay, if she would say on live national television, call Spice a monkey, a blue monkey, what might she be saying to the ex safari and then to the two black children? Any studies on that? How someone that is, um, you know, non black Latina or Latino that has those anti black, you know, feelings,
2: how they treat other. Blacks and their families. You know, it would, one of the most painful aspects of writing that book was having this whole chapter that I call "Family Racial Trauma," because it was the sort of the, the interviews and the memoirs uh, of many of the Latino subjects that I spoke with, recounting, you know, how they felt harmed by their own family members. Um, you know, and the, the very same people who say they love you can also be inherently racist. Right? Uh, And uh, court favoritism in the family across color lines. You know, siblings are not treated the same. It may be a rainbow family, but the darker shades of the rainbow in that family are not accorded the same respect, are not presumed to have have the same capacity for intellect and uh, social mobility. Uh, All the promise and the hopes of the family are in the lighter skinned members Uh, you know, it's a very painful place to be that, you know, where you think that that should be your refuge from the world of racism is the the very space that inhabits some of the worst rejection of it.
0: Leslie, some of these articles, uh, people were expressing surprise at Erica because they said Erica previously described herself as Afro-Latina. Had you seen her do that? Or, you know, is that some information that you had? No.
1: And I think that things are becoming trendy. Right. Again, everyone wants to blend in. And again, a lot of people profit off of black culture, even though they are not black. And so for me, I, I tell people you have to look at people's fruit. Right. Um, a Latino artist who I really can appreciate is Cardi B, somebody who had Breonna Taylor on their profile picture for over a year after she was murdered. Um, You know, she wrote in Tamika D. Mallory's book, State of Emergency. She constantly speaks out against colorism and the things that go on, right? Like her fruit is good. Whereas Erica Mina... I've never seen her advocate for Black women, and I also have never seen her establish herself as an Afro Latina. And again, I think that nowadays it has become trendy. There are benefits that can become associated with it, like Professor Hernandez was saying, and I think that's what that's about.
0: And just real quickly, Professor Hernandez, some of these articles are saying, "Well, she can't be Afro Latina because you have to be half American, half Latina." Real quickly, is there some standard definition of who gets to say they're Afro
2: Latina? Uh, well, no. I mean, you know, the slave ships were not undiscriminating as far as, you know, where they decided to go. Uh, and so uh, that uh, you may not speak English does not mean that you don't have African ancestry. I mean, I think what's more important is whether or not you actually uh, have an identity firmly rooted in the pride uh, uh, and the culture of you know the African diaspora. You know, this claim to Afro-Latinidad, I think, is also strategic in the following sense. You know, when the Black Lives Matter movement takes off, that also opens a space for Afro-Latinos for the very first time to be able to sort of claim public notice about the racism of their own communities. That put the white Latinos on notice. And the best place for them to run and hide was to be able to say, oh, but I'm not white. I'm not white. All of a sudden, they weren't white. Uh, And this is where you get some of the inclination to try to say, well, you know, somewhere in the family tree, way, way, way up in there, there's some black ancestor. And so I, too, can claim the Afro. Well, you know, that's a strategic claim of it. In, in ways that are trying to deflect from their right. own complicity in upholding structures of white supremacy and benefiting from their white skin privilege. Okay.
0: This is a, a show about news and current events and politics and race, not about hip hop, uh, uh, you know, loving hip hop in Atlanta or reality shows. So I got to bring it back to what my listeners are most interested in. And, and that's are these race relations, is the anti-Blackness in Latino community, you know, are we making any progress? Because this this is all at the heart of it. These are women, women of color. She does have Black kids. So, I mean, you hate to think about what the kids might be exposed to. So there's a lot of pain and trauma even in this conversation. So, Leslie, I'll start with you real quickly. Are we making any progress? I think we're making a little bit of progress. We have to make sure that it's not
1: performative and that it's authentic and it's real and that people aren't saying, oh, I'm not black, I'm OJ. But then when it's convenient, you want to be black, right? So I think we just have to be intentional.
0: All right, good. Thank you. Making some progress. Uh, Professor Hernandez, you wrote a whole book on this. You interviewed Latino families. You've gone deep on this issue. Do you feel like we're making progress on race relations between Afro uh,
2: between Black folks like and Latinos. Fr- I mean, you know, we have a history of, of, of um, a coalition and of coming together and of being in true solidarity. So it's not that I don't, that I'm not hopeful, right? Um, but I also think that, that for too long, we have been uh, hiding from, or at least not aware of, all the deeper aspects of anti-Blackness. Uh, you know, when Nuri Martinez and her other members of the LA City Council uh, pop out mm. the box this, this same time last year, uh, with the leaked audio tapes, with all their anti-Black our, 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 you know, statements, uh, that actually opened up a moment, right, for us mm. to get real about it. Uh, you know, to be truly in solidarity also means that we are honest about some of the ugliness that we all need to, the restorative justice that Leslie was talking about. Well, that's an excellent comparison. And I love what Leslie said. We
0: can't, you know, fix what we don't acknowledge and this conversation hopefully will lead Erica to uh, reflect and to acknowledge that that statement was a, a racial slur. She meant it as a racial slur. She was trying to, you know, bring Spice down because Spice has said that. Her son didn't like her. I mean, you know, it's kind of a fight. But at the end of the day, we are not going to fix these relationships if we run from the truth that there is an issue of anti-Blackness that pervades not just white communities, but Latino communities and pretty much every other community. And that infiltrates even the Black community. So we got a lot of work to be done. Thank you so much, Professor Hernandez, for the book and the work that you do. And thank you, Leslie. You are always holding it down. I'm always so grateful to be in conversation with you Uh, You guys keep doing what you're doing and we're going to get there. Next voice that you hear is Robin Ayers and the Raw Report right here on KBLA Talk 1580.